Welcome to Carson Chatter, a podcast focused on Carson City, the people who shape it, and the real estate that defines it. I'm Sina Lloyd, Carson City Library Director, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Garrett LaPierre, local realtor with Century 21 Jim Wilson Realty. In addition to another great guest interview this week, we have our weekly segments, Community Connections, and LaPierre's Corner. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the podcast. We have this week's guest. We have Chief Slayman with us from the Carson City Fire Department. Thanks for joining us, Chief. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You betcha. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the fire business and and how you got into your new position. Sure. So um, I've been a firefighter for 31 years now. I started my career in uh, the Bay Area in California in Foster City. Okay. Uh, Worked there for a little over a year um, and grew up in the Bay Area uh, on the the East Bay and uh, couldn't afford to live uh, by a house in the area, so I was going to be a commuting (laughs) firefighter and a job opportunity came up uh, with the city of Modesto, which was in the Central Valley, uh, and I took that. I started that in 89. Started my career in 88 and, and uh, joined Modesto in 89. Um, was blessed, worked with tremendous, great people, worked my way through the ranks, and was the fire chief there um, from uh, 2014 through 2017. And then the opportunity came to come about here. Right. Um, got interested in the fire service. My dad is uh, retired. Uh, he worked for the Fremont Fire Department, and uh, so it was a little bit in my blood, so I'm second-generation firefighter. Awesome. Um, and I uh, have a family. Uh, my wife is a school teacher. She's going to be teaching fourth grade this year at the Fremont Elementary School. Great, great school. Uh, here in Carson, yep. And then uh, two children, son Zachary, he's a uh, graduate from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and he's in the U.S. Air Force now. Awesome. And our daughter is a second year at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo right now, so we are temporarily empty nesters nice <laughs> and, and uh, yeah that's a beautiful area where they're going to school, where they're going it, to school it really is it's it's not too tough to go visit them down there for sure. it's a nice sure. area so you, this area did you know about it before did you vacation here how'd you know about Carson City sure so I knew I knew a fair amount about Carson City um, uh, Lake Tahoe South Lake was a destination a vacation destination for my family when we were growing up and uh, my dad used to drag us always away from the lake for a day or two and we'd go through Carson City and out to Virginia City and go see some of the ghost towns. And and part of me hated that and part of me loved that. Um, right. And uh, I've always been a little bit of a history buff, but it was always a long drive and you were going away from Tahoe. Right. Um, so we knew a little bit about the area. And um, uh, by chance, I got a phone call from a recruiter um, about Carson City. And uh, it, was, it was an opportunity I didn't want to pass up. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So as the fire chief here in Carson City, what do you do? Um, great question. So uh, I, I'm much less about fighting fire anymore, um, and I'm more of the manager and leader of the fire department and, and a, a component of the leadership of the city. So primarily I, I do very non-glamorous things such as manage the budget and, um, and make sure that the operation runs smoothly and has the equipment and the personnel it needs to carry out our mission. Um, I think my primary focus organizationally is providing leadership and preparing the organization for the future, preparing our future leaders and preparing people to be ready to take my job. And um, so that's 
really a little bit about what I do. So I'm kind of the uh, um, the director or the conductor of the orchestra, and I, I get to watch the great men and women of our fire department do wonderful things for our city on a daily basis. Right. Oh, and, and in Carson, I think it's somewhat unique. I know we're not the only area, but it's somewhat unique. You have to be an EMT and a firefighter to right. work for you. Yes. So we, we are an all-risk fire department. So we are, um, in addition to our firefighting and um, technical rescue and hazardous materials responsibilities, we are the emergency medical provider um, for Carson City. So we provide the ambulance transportation also. So at a minimum, our firefighters are cross-trained to an EMT level, which is an additional 260 hours of training. Um, The majority of our fire department are paramedics, which means they can provide advanced life support. That additional training lasts up to an additional year of training on top of the EMT training. So what that means is they can provide um, uh, basically medical narcotics in the field to save your life, everything from heart and lung medications, um, to uh, pain medications and uh, to prevent you from getting into shock and okay. and to get you to the hospital and start your uh, recovery. Gotcha. And do you find that your department deals more with those kind of calls or fire calls? Sure. So um, it, that's an interesting question. So if you look at numbers only, we're about 85 to 90% of our call volume is medical calls. Okay. Um, when you look at time commitment, um, a medical call will take us anywhere from 20 minutes to 30 minutes to, to manage or mitigate to get you to the hospital to okay. where, where other care can be taking place. Okay. A fire may last two, three hours or multiple days. So when you, when you look at the time commitment, it's fairly close to even. It's about 60, 40 still on the medical side. But on the call volume side, just looking at pure numbers, right. um, about 85, 90% of our calls are medical related. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, yeah, on, on, on those medical calls, um, and, and maybe have the stat, maybe don't, do you find that it's it's normally easy stuff? Someone fell down, they need they need help up, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with maybe the seniors population in Carson City. Is, sure. that, is that the majority of those calls? Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's the majority, but it is certainly um, uh, our, our call volume runs the gamut. And, um, you know, not everybody has the ability to transport themselves to the hospital. Sometimes we're alone and it may not be something that you would normally rise to the level of a 911 call, but you know you need medical help and you can't get there from here. Okay. So we provide that transport. Um, we have a basic life support ambulance that'll respond without sirens and lights and they'll handle those lower level calls. Um, a lot of times it may be somebody that, uh, an elderly person or somebody that is uh, rehabbing from a surgery and they've fallen out of their chair or rolled out of bed at night and they just need to get back into their their bed or to their chair. Right. Um, and we provide those services. So it runs the gamut from non-emergency calls to um, major trauma, significant inju- injury, or heart attack calls. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, on the fire side, um, you know, here in Carson City, I think so far with the fire season, we've been pretty lucky. I mean, we've yes. had one, a big fire mm-hmm. and some others. Um, but, you know, how many crews do the, do we have that are dispersed amongst the West um, helping to fight fires elsewhere in other communities? Great question. So um, up till this weekend, we had uh, eight personnel out on different fires. 
Uh, we had an engine and an, uh, one person, what we call an overhead position. They were working in a medical role as a single resource, so by themselves. Um, they were up in Reading at the car fire. Okay. Um, so the engine has since returned home. We still have that one person up there. Um, and then we have um, uh, several of our personnel are specially trained. So when we have a wildland event, you have medical needs. You have people that have uh, specialized training for heavy equipment operations to leadership positions of strike team leaders. So we have all these engines coming. We've got to have um, a supervisor attached to lead those those personnel. So we have personnel trained in all kinds of those uh, specialties. Right. So we have a heavy equipment operator that's up actually in Idaho now. And then we have a, another individual that's heading out uh, tomorrow um, to lead a strike team of five engines to Southern California. Wow. And so, and those engines won't necessarily come from Carson City. That, that individual, he may never have met those people before, but we work together under common rules and operating policies. It's a really unique system. Um, we're very fortunate in the West to have such a, um, an advanced mutual aid system. And so he'll lead that group and be responsible for their assignments on a day-to-day basis. I like that. So it sounds like your guys have to have, and I've always, and I've always wondered this question, and maybe it's a silly sure. question, but I've always wondered it. To drive a fire truck, do you have to have a CDL? Yes, yeah, and a tremendous amount of specialized training. So we have individual ranks in the fire department. Everyone starts out as a firefighter, okay. and that means you're either on the ambulance or you're riding what we call backwards. You're riding in the back seat of the, uh, of the fire engine. Okay. Um, the next promotable position is to the driver position. So not only do they operate the fire engine, which is probably the coolest job around, right, right. Um, <laughs> but they are responsible for, um, on a fire, the water coming in, connecting to the fire hydrant, water pressures coming in, and then supplying the appropriate pressures out to the firefighters actually attacking the fire. So it'd be very strong in math, hydraulics specifically, um, a lot of vehicle maintenance maintenance and operational skills. Um, a lot of that training we provide or we require that they get on their own to be prepared to take those promotional exams. And then the boss of the engine is what we call the captain, and they're responsible for that crew. Gotcha. Okay. And then who's above the captain? So um, each each station has a captain, and then um, we work on three shifts. So our firefighters, they work a 48-hour shift. So, uh, for instance, uh, the shift that came on duty this morning, they came on duty at 8 o'clock this morning. Okay. It's Tuesday, so they will go home Thursday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. Gotcha. They're assigned to that station for 48 hours. The captain oversees that station, and then we have a battalion chief that is also on that shift, and they oversee our three fire stations. So they make sure um, the needs are met, the crews are ready and prepared, um, and that uh, uh, that we can provide the services that our mission requires. Above that is a deputy chief who oversees the operational side, which is the biggest part of our fire department. Yep. And then, um, and then there is me overseeing that. Okay. okay. Interesting. Okay. And so, I mean, with that. You know, Carson is growing. We're having, um, a, you know, additional homes built all over. Uh, what are the needs of the fire department, and are they being met with the current staffing and stations? Great question. So we we do have some areas where, uh, so we have response times values um, that are based on national standards. Okay. Um, from, uh, from the time we receive the call to the time we show up at your door right now, we're averaging about seven and a half minutes. Um, the ideal timer is, is six minutes or less. 
um, and that allows for us for a minute for us to get to the fire engine or the ambulance and start rolling and then uh, four minutes or so of what we call travel time to actually get to your house or the place of the emergency and and start care okay. um, uh, so we struggle in some of our areas with that uh, interestingly our call volume is increasing from about a three to five percent a year and that's been with us without much growth in the city so we know with additional growth we're going to need some more resources to provide those um, my job is to figure out um, work we're, we're an expensive operation mm -hmm. um, certainly and so my job is to figure out how can we most appropriately and efficiently and with cost effectiveness in mind provide those services so we are going to need some additional resources right now we're, we're doing some studies and some evaluations on how we can meet that with our existing staffing and then how do we grow appropriately because it's not just your fire department that is going to need additional resources your law enforcement your sheriff's office your public works your parks everybody needs additional resources as the community grows and and um, paying for those services is the biggest challenge nobody nobody wants to pay additional taxes and that's one of the great things of living in Nevada compared to where I came from in California the taxes are much more right. um, appeasable here yep. but um, uh, so it's it's a matter of um, living within our means and so we're trying to do uh, continue to provide the most appropriate resources with the funding that we have available to us today. Well, and we had uh, Sheriff Furlong on a couple weeks ago, and, and, and he said the same thing. Is, mm -hmm. is you know, as we grow, we're going to need more services. As our equipment ages, we're going to need new equipment. Absolutely. As technology improves, we're going to need you know the the better the better technology. Um, so, on those national standards for call times, who sets that? So there is. Um, uh, what we call the National Fire Protection Agency, so okay. NFPA, okay. and uh, that is made up of fire service experts as well as industrial experts from from the, um, especially from the business trade side. Um, so there's everything from fire codes to fire prevention. So if you're a builder or realtor, you are very familiar with fire codes and what goes in and out of, of anything from a house to a business. Correct. Um, there are also um, standards from safety, from how our fire engines are built, and they now have airbags like cars do, and all kinds of warning systems uh, that most of our vehicle safety systems that our vehicles have, yep. fire engines didn't used to have. Um, and so uh, response time standards are one of those things. So they, they break things down into urban areas and, just, and rural and suburban areas. So there's realistically different response times. If you... Uh, if you live up uh, in the mountains in a very remote location, your response times are going to be much different than Correct. if you live uh, in an urban area or in a, in a city area, which is the majority of Carson City. Gotcha. So those response times are based on desired response times. They're not law. They're not required. Cities um, are encouraged to adopt their own standards. Okay. Um, so our city has adopted a four-minute travel time. Okay. And again, that's the time from when we release the parking brake and start to drive to the time we show up at the emergency um, of four minutes, and we're averaging about four minutes, 30 seconds on that travel time. That's awesome. Yeah, when you build in the time you call 911 to the time we show up, all of that turn time turns around anywhere from um, seven to eight minutes 
from from a time of emerging, which is good. That is really good. Um, um, but uh, it will be a challenge to continue to keep that as the community grows, Correct. call volume grows, traffic grows. Right. Um, well, and part of our growth here too is is we're not necessarily growing in the core of our town. You, right. You know, we, downtown doesn't have new developments. We're sprawled out. Yes. So your calls get further and further pushed yes. down. Yes. So, yeah. And then one last follow-up question for you on that. Um, you, you mentioned the increase in calls of 3 to 5%. Mm-hmm. It, this is just me thinking out loud, and I don't know any of this stuff. So if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, do you think that is due to an aging population where you have more calls that are going out to that? And in the sh- and I think that may be a short-term issue, but as the long-term issue comes in and, and we have more young people that move to Carson, which is what the stats are showing, how, do you, how are your services going to change? Sure. Great question. Um, call volume increases are a nationwide trend. Okay. trend is not just something we're experiencing in Carson City. Okay. Um, and uh, the the highest increase is, is on our medical aid side, the EMS side. Yep. Um, so... It, it has a lot to do with our baby boomers getting to our retirement mm-hmm. ages, and as we get older, our medical needs increase. Yep. Um, so there is that challenge. Um, healthcare issues um, on a national perspective, not to get onto the political side, but that becomes a challenge of, of people actually reaching out. Um, not everybody has access to a doctor or to a, um, uh, a medical clinic. So 911 becomes that default side. So there's an education side. And then also, um, you know, as a, when I became into the fire service, medical has always been part of what we do. Right. Um, back to the Johnny and Roy days of Squad 51 um, in L.A. County Fire. But reality is we are really a healthcare provider now. We're more than emergency medicine. So right. we're looking at programs to help our community of what we call community paramedicine. So maybe we, if you get discharged from a hospital in the future, if we can create some partnerships, then maybe we follow up and pay a house call visit to you and say, hey, are you taking your medications correctly? Are you following the diet that was prescribed? Are you having any adverse reactions? And if we can prevent you from having to call 911, if we can prevent you from having a setback from whatever you were treated for, um, then we're winning. Those are those are the good things. Those require partnerships. We, you know, we're struggling to meet the demands of the emergency side, but we also are built um, strategically throughout the city to where we can reach our community. Correct. Um, and so, if we can build those partnerships with our hospitals, with our insurance companies, yep. and show a value to everybody, um, which we're starting to see nationally, there's some there are some fire departments that have been doing some pretty neat work on that side with partnerships. Correct. We want to be a part of that and. Uh, and just like we've grown into the fire prevention side, and that has helped reduce fires, we want to help reduce medical emergencies. Yep, being proactive. Absolutely, and that's partnerships. It's not the fire department alone. It's everybody working together. Correct. Yeah, I like it. Yep, we've had we've had good response times to the library when we have had to call. The majority of the time mm-hmm. has been um, patron requested calls. Yes. And so the patrons are requesting that we call nine one one for whatever issue they might be having. So we appreciate it. Glad, glad we could be, a, be there to help. <laughs> um, I have a curious, just this is my curiosity. And I, I mean, I see more and more Teslas around Carson City mm. and with the Gigafactory yes. so close. And I mean, really lots of different cars catch on fire, but the yes. ones that make headlines are Teslas. Sure. Um, is the fire department trained in um, removal of people, I guess, from... Mm-hmm 
cars when they've gotten in crashes, when they're electric cars. Absolutely. So um, any kind of technology upgrades, uh, whether it is on our vehicles or our homes, uh, you know, speaking of Tesla, now there are home battery systems mm-hmm. for your for your homes um, and to get off the power grid, so to speak. Yep. Right. And so we've got to be prepared for those things. So we are trained in those. Um, uh, Tesla is just one example. There are a lot of different hybrids and everything out mm-hmm. there and battery locations and high voltage. So all of that changes everything from from a fire itself to um, an extrication position where you may be trapped in your vehicle and where we can um, cut into the car to get you out and where we can't cut into the vehicle mm-hmm. to get you out. Uh, so there, there it is. Con- technology constantly changes and, and challenges us. Um, but your fire department is up to those challenges. You and and, and I, I think I think the training part. You know, I, I find this fascinating for what you guys do. And, and police officers are, are are definitely on the same on the same level with you guys. But you know, you guys have to have a few more tools in your belt than mm-hmm. than the average you know public servant. Um, when it comes to training, so I come in, I started as a firefighter. Maybe I want to be the guy that drives it. Maybe I want to be the guy that drives the backhoe when when the fire's out in the mountains. Sure. Yeah. With that training, do I go do that training and then you reimburse me? Or do I spend that money myself in hopes that I'm going to get a promotion and just make more money that way? Mm-hmm. How's that work? Great, great. Again, um, there, there are the answer is yes to both. So okay. there are certain things that we are going to require you to have throughout your career. Okay. And we will pay for that training and we, we will either provide that training or send you to that training. Okay. There are other things that you need to do on your own if you want to improve yourself or better yourself. Correct. Um, through through our labor negotiations, we have some agreements in, our con- in the firefighter's contract that will reimburse them for certain things, okay. but they go on their own. Other things they are paid for to go to and that means usually means they're bringing the service back and becoming it's a train the trainer situation right. and they'll come back and train the department so it's okay. it is a combination um, as a fire department we require two hours of training of every firefighter every single day so wow. their 24-hour shift two hours needs to be dedicated towards training and and if we look at what we need to know um, from medical to hazardous materials to technical rescue to fire, fire is a really, um, it is a science, right? And it is a, mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of chemistry right. to understand how a fire behaves, right? And what it can and can't do, and how we can make it better or make it worse if we do the right or wrong things. Gotcha. So it, it's it's um, a little over two hundred forty hours a year of minimum level of training, and then on top of that, there's recertifications for all of your your licenses and certifications. So it's it's a lot. That that is a lot. That is a lot. In comparison to be a real estate agent, you have to have twenty four hours every two years. So uh-huh. yeah, we're not even close. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I mean, I, I'm going to ask your opinion here, mm-hmm. but um, you know, it, and I'll relate it back to Carson City with a follow up. But in your opinion, is this the worst fire season in the West that you have seen? Not yet. Um, not yet. It is. Um, I will say the last couple years have um, been a little bit more scary from from a fire chief's perspective. Looking at what happened in Santa Rosa, um, the Thomas Fire in Ventura County, and then certainly what has happened this year in Mendocino and the Car Fire up up in the Shasta County area. County area, um, the fires because of the drier conditions. Um, while we've recovered 
from a water perspective from the drought. Um, a lot of our vegetation has not recovered. We have a lot of dead, what we call fuel, dead trees, plants out there, um, very dry conditions. You throw some wind on that and some elevation and fires are spreading extremely quickly now. And, and I think Santa Rosa to me was the huge wake up call to see what it could actually do into a city. So I think if you live in Lakeview, if you live in Combs Canyon, um, Timberline, you know you live in, a, in an urban interface area and the threat of wildfires is there for you. Correct. But if, if you live down in the core of Carson City, you're not necessarily thinking a wildland fire. And Santa Rosa, Ventura County, and now Redding has reset those things to us that it's not the anomaly anymore. It is the normal for the fires. And so the scary part to me is the time to react and the, um, and the ability to communicate, notify. We can try with our cell phones through our code red, which we can, I'd like to talk about in a minute, okay. emergency notifications, using the media, but the actual ability to get people out of those situations safely, uh, our communities really are not ready for that. And right. I think we're seeing that over and over again. So what can we in Carson City, as citizens of Carson City, do to help prevent the fires from coming in, if possible, mm -hmm. and then be informed about what to do if there is a fire? Sure. So from a prevention side, um, that is a year-round uh, process. We need You need to make sure you have what we call defensible space. Um, and so take a look at your house or your building, and do you have... Um, do you have shrubs or trees that go up to your eaves or to your, to, your, to your roof line? If you can trim those back and buy a little space, is there anything dead vegetation? If you live in our, uh, the areas, some of the areas I mentioned, do you have pine needles on your roof or your gutters? They're, they ignite very easily. Um, typically when we see a lot of these homes, we lose these homes in fires, it's from sparks uh, spreading from advanced of the fire and they start to burn before we can even get in front of it. And so making a defensible space, there is a, a great website called Living With Fire, um, and you go to livingwithfire.info, and uh, it's a very interactive website. It's got everything from defensible space, and you can put in calculations for your slope of if you live in a, a hilly area versus a flat area, and it'll recommend um, how much clearance you need and the type of clearance and it'll give you drawings and pictures of what that clearance look like right. looks like. Um, so that's a great resource from a prevention side. Every year um, uh, in advance of fire season, uh, we do a, a pretty proactive campaign in our canyon areas, our wildland urban interface areas, um, where we have dumpsters that are provided to you. You can call the fire department, we'll deliver a dumpster to you. You can take all of your um, uh, yard waste, debris, trees, clippings, put that in your dumpster and we'll come and pick it up and haul it away for you for free. Wow. Um, so that's a, it's a great resource that you can do. Um, we also have people, if you're concerned about that, let us know, give us a call. You can call us at our main line at 887-2210 um, and we can try and send somebody out to you uh, to take a look at your property and to help you with that. We have a seasonal um, crew that uh, does a lot of, of uh, uh, debris removal or weed removal and, and uh, vegetation removal 
from our open space areas and we can we can try and send some of those into your area to take a look at and give you some advice we may not be able to do the cleanup for you but we can we can help you with that and prevent that so that's your prevention side Um, and then the biggest thing I think we all need to do is be ready to evacuate Um, we live we live in a climate that has four strong seasons fire is not our only threat we have an earthquake threat we certainly have a flood threat, um, and uh, and uh, winters can be pretty pretty difficult around here. And then there's always the opportunity or chance with a hazardous materials incident or something where you may have to evacuate. It may be very isolated, but are you prepared? And so websites like ready.gov will give you some great advice on that. But what we recommend is that you have what we call a go bag in, or just a prepared uh, situation. So if you have any medications you need to take prescription medications your eyeglasses have all of your documents stored on a thumb drive so your insurance documents um, any uh, you know photos anything like that that you that are irreplaceable to you store them on a thumb drive and that you can keep in a secure place grab those and go blankets you want to have some food and some water available Keep your cars at least with a quarter tank of gas. You want to be able to at least get out of your area. Right. Um, if we've seen anything from these evacuations, they come quickly. And we can, you know, as, as we walk into hurricane season on the East Coast, you can watch when we start to uh, try to do evacuations there. People are stuck on the freeways mm-hmm. for hours at a time. Last thing you want to do is run out of gas. Right. Um, and then have a place to go. And then the other thing, if you have pets, what can you do for your pets? Can your pets fit in your vehicle? Do you have food for your pets? Or you have large animals? And are there where can you evacuate them to? Do you have friends? Um, what do your communities provide? Um, we won't always have those things stood up right away. Um, and so and we have a lot of partnerships in the area, but you may not be able to get to those. You know, the closest large animal evacuation center could be Washoe County. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the fuel or the ability to get there, uh, those are the things that you need to think about in advance because the last thing we want to do is be responsible for you getting out while we're trying to stop the emergency from happening the fire um, or what may, whatever it may be do you recommend if, if, if you have kids at home especially young kids to do a fire drill absolutely so you know we we train on a lot of things and you know when we all went to school we had earthquake drills we had fires fire drills but we don't do that in the home right we don't have an issue anymore in schools with fires and, and hurting our children. Right. Um, we've had tremendous fire code changes, and I think the Our Lady of Angels fire in Chicago, um, uh, I think it was in the early 60s, changed a lot of our fire codes for schools and requirements. But we practice, and so we don't have the problem there. Our largest life loss is in the home, and it's in the middle of the night. So what do you do when your smoke alarm goes off? Where do you meet? Do you all have a meeting place? You know, is it the tree out front? Is it the mailbox? Um, is it the neighbor's house? Just that simple accountability. Um, too many people are lost every year because mom and dad go back in to find their children or a pet yep. and come to find out they've already gotten out and they're in the backyard or at their, they're at the neighbor's house. And we lose lives um, uh, unnecessarily. Right, because we we don't we aren't prepared for that. We don't plan for that. It's just it's a simple thing, and it's just a a talk. 
right. and make it fun. Well, and I know one thing I see on a day-to-day basis in selling real estate is there's very few houses I've ever been to, I can count them on probably one hand, that are two stories mm-hmm. that have emergency ladders yes. for, for the kids and the parents mm-hmm. to get out, you know, because the bedrooms are upstairs. Yes. And, and that's a great example. So if you don't have that or if your kids aren't of that age or maybe you, maybe you have your parents back living with you and yep. they don't have the, the um, they're not ambulatory to do that, the biggest thing you can do is keep your door shut. Yep. Shut your doors. Um, that will block out the majority of smoke. It'll um, Just like we talked chemistry a little bit ago, mm-hmm. fire is going to travel to the path of least resistance. If water will flow there, if air will flow there, fire will go there. If you keep the door shut, it will prevent that. Um, I can't tell you how many times where we've been to where doors are closed and the the fire side of the door is completely gone. You open the door and on the inside, the paint is still crystal clear. And so those are the things that make the biggest difference. Sleep with your doors closed. And if you can't get out of of your bedroom for whatever reason, keep that door closed, stay low, and um, your fire department will be there soon. And we will do our best to find you. Good advice. Very good advice. You mentioned Code Red before. Yes. What is Code Red? So Code Red is um, uh, an emergency notification system for Carson City. And um, you can subscribe to it if you uh, if you go to Carson.org, go to the government section of Carson.org, click on the fire department, and then there's a tab for emergency notifications. It's a free service. You can sign up. You can sign up multiple phone numbers for it. Um we only use it for um, emergencies or important notices. Um, is, for instance, sometimes public works may be flowing fire hydrants in your area. You'll get a code red notice of that, that you may have some discolored water for a couple hours. They give you an advance notice on that. Those are nice to know. Yes. On an emergency situation, an evacuation notice, sometimes um, it's impending weather coming, we'll notify you. And you can set it up by phone call, and you'll get a recorded message. You'll get a text. Um, you can get it by email. However you want to do that, you can set that up through Code Red. It's a free service, and we strongly encourage all of our residents to subscribe to that. That's wonderful. So getting out of the fire talk and, and talking about Carson City, what's been your favorite thing about, about Carson City since you've been here? Um, we have the coolest backyard in, in around. Don't uh, we? Yeah. Uh, uh, I love the outdoors, and so whether it is hiking, mountain biking, skiing in the wintertime, boating, um, it's just amazing. So I think um, the natural beauty of Carson City and its surrounding areas um, was what I knew I was getting into and what I was so excited about. I think, not a surprise, but the most pleasant thing is the people. Um, Everyone is friendly here. I, I I know all my neighbors. I know my neighbors' neighbors. Um, I walk my dog uh, in the mornings, and I it usually takes me thirty minutes longer than I'm than it's that I've scheduled for it to do yep. because you end up talking to somebody, right. and um, it's just a very welcoming community. So um, I think the the natural beauty was the known that I knew what I was getting into, and I was excited about. My family was. And then the, the the most pleasant thing is just the people itself. It's wonderful. It's awesome. So yeah, I'll wrap this up by by giving you a kudos. Um, so you, my my cousin, um, who's I think she's thirty years old. If not, she's twenty nine. Um, she just had her first baby about three months ago. Okay. And she was five weeks uh, premature. 
and um, she ended up uh, having the baby at home um, and called 911 and said, hey, I'm getting ready to deliver the baby. They walked her through that, and she had the baby on the bathroom floor and had to give uh, CPR to the baby. So from dispatch to your crew coming in and, and, and helping, baby's doing great, mom's doing great, everyone's healthy and wonderful. That is great. And, um, you know, that took a very traumatic experience, and, and I can't say enough for the service that you guys provided and making sure that everyone was good. Well, thank you. That That is probably the funnest part of my job is watching the great work that uh, the men and women of the fire department do, um, what our dispatchers do in advance of that, um, and and certainly our law enforcement partners and, and uh, often our public works and parks and rec. Um, we have a great team in Carson City, and it is just fun to watch our public servants do that, yep. just that, help our community out. Yep. Well, we're grateful to have you. Thanks for coming on the show. You bet. Thank Appreciate you very it. much. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Carson Chatter. You can subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud apps to get new episodes as they are uploaded. Once you've subscribed, please leave a review as it makes it easier for people to find the podcast. Please engage with us via social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by simply searching for Carson Chatter. You can also email us at carsonchatterpodcast at gmail.com. See you again soon, and please don't forget to tell a friend about this podcast.